Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and this week I have a really exciting guest on the show. You guys are in for a treat because she just has so much information, and um, yeah, I found it just fascinating to talk to her. This week, I'm talking to Samantha Wellspring, who is a naturopathic doctor and the founder and CEO of WildFed, which, if you don't know WildFed, is the only grain company I feed my horses ever, really. Um, it is a company I actually stand by so strongly, and um, I just love their products and uh, yeah, everything that they stand for. And you'll hear a lot more about that in the episode, but uh, Sam is also just a wealth a wealth of knowledge. No, is that the right term? I don't know. But uh, well, she has a lot of knowledge. She's a, a spring of knowledge. And, um, and, and this week we're talking about horse health and um, particularly nutrition with horses. So I'm really, really excited to jump into this episode and uh, for you guys to hear from Sam because it was really inspiring to me and yeah, I just, I love all these strong, powerful women going out and uh, making things that are actually like really beneficial for horses and being strong and powerful and doing your dreams. So yeah, let's just jump right in. I'm really excited for this one. good i just got back into town uh we were in the northwest just looking for places i really want to relocate to the northwest and just haven't figured out where so we were kind of exploring oh that's so cool like horse property well yeah i mean our my dream is to have a, a farm and grow medicinal herbs and then have like a community center where we have a food as medicine cafe and apothecary and metaphysical store um and teach classes um and have yeah just like healers and yoga and all that kind of stuff oh my god that sounds so amazing (laughs) yeah so we're looking for a place that would accommodate that or that would really be grateful to have um, you know, some kind of community center to bring people together and help, you know, facilitate healing of mind, body, and spirit. Ah, that sounds so fantastic. And that'd be for horses and humans or? Well, it really, it's for people, but I mean, definitely horses will be there. And, um, you know, I've, I've done some kind of horse therapy type stuff, like Linda Kohonoff type stuff, Mm -hmm. which is really incredible. I've never really thought seriously about doing it myself, but you know, you never know how things will evolve. Yeah. Or who you might have in and right. Exactly. That sounds so fantastic. I'm so excited to talk to you about, um, really everything. Like I am so 
so intrigued by how you got into horse health and nutrition and also how you started your own business and like launched wild fed yeah <laughs> it's like they're both such like awesome topics that i'm i know and i've been looking at your um your pictures and your workshops and your video and oh my gosh so dreamy what how beautiful oh, thank you well i have already hit record just because i like to I'm doing this new thing now where I don't introduce people in the beginning and instead just kind of get into the talk. And then later I'll introduce you, like I'll record something on my own so that, cause sometimes it makes people nervous when I'm like, give them their title and then just like launch them into the podcast. Uh, right. So if you're down, um, yeah, I'll just keep recording and we can just go from here. Sure. Yeah. So I'm really, really uh, curious how you first got into um, horse health in general, or I guess human health, all health, and right. how you did actually weed out in the beginning the misinformation from what you now know and trust. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny. I was reading your story about Annie, and you were talking about how she was your soulmate, and um, Shadow was totally my soulmate. I got him when I was 12 and I was 12. Um, and he passed like, I think it's been about two years. Um, and he was 35. So we were together for a really long time. And, um, when I was young, I grew up on a ranch in Topanga Canyon. Um, so Southern California. And, um, I just was always fascinated with the natural world. And, you know, instead of watching TV, I'd be making forts, you know, under the fruit trees and stuff like that. Um, and I always kind of had an obsession with just learning about the plants, the medicinal and edible plants. And so I loved being able to just go anywhere and be able to pick something and know, you know, if I could eat it or not. And this kind of survivalist type thing. So I don't really know where that came from, but um, that started. And, uh, and then when I, at the ranch that we had, it was sort of backed up against national park. And so, um, I would just let shadow out and there were different horses with him over the years. But, um, when I kind of in the later years, I would just let him out and they would just kind of hang out. We had a big, uh, fruit orchard and then the state park next door. And he would just kind of wander, um, to graze. And, um, so I, we kind of, you know, did a lot of that um, at a younger age. And then um, I kind of thought that I, I got into horse training. I learned about Pat Pirelli and all the natural stuff. Because like you, I I just, when I saw that kind of liberty, that's what he sort of shows off, you know. And mm -hmm. um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what I want to do. And so I started getting into the natural horsemanship stuff. And, um, and then... Um, yeah, I started training horses and starting horses. And then I decided I had an accident on a horse. It wasn't, it wasn't super, it wasn't, I didn't really get hurt, but it was just kind of shook me up. Like, you know, maybe, maybe I need to look into something else, um, for a career. And, um, I decided to go back to school and I started on the veterinary track. Um, and so I took a bunch of animal science classes and learned about nutrition. And I've always kind of be, been really into nutrition. I grew up, you know, on organic food. 
Um, my mom was really healthy and, um, I experimented with lots of different diets as vegetarian for a while. You know, I've been everything. Um, and, uh, so anyway, I took a bunch of horse nutrition classes and was on that track and I was working for a veterinarian, um, who did Chinese medicine also in acupuncture, which was really neat. Um, and she, she was going through, I think when I was working for her, she was kind of going through a rough period where she had put a bunch of horses down kind of consecutively, um, and got a bunch of calls, you know, to, to euthanize and whatnot. And she was just feeling pretty down on it and mm. was pretty discouraging actually, you know, to me, it was like, this is really, this is really a tough career and the hours are horrible. And, you know, you put, have to put animals down a lot and people don't want to pay, mm. you know, to, to get their horse, you know, animals healthy. And, and so she kind of discouraged me. And then at the same time, I learned about naturopathy, which is what I'm doing now, um, through a friend just was told to go see this woman. And, um, I, I also, at the same time, when I was going through my schooling, it was very allopathic in terms of what they were teaching me. And I've always, just since I was always kind of into herbal medicine and other and nutrition and, and diet and lifestyle, it just, it didn't make sense to me. I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could follow that track. So when I learned about naturopathy, it was like, this is amazing. You know, there's a, you can go to school for this and become a doctor and this natural medicine. And, um, so it felt like a better fit for me, although I've always, I've always just had a love for animals. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was, it was like a, sometimes I, you know, wish that I could do both or that there was like a naturopathic veterinary, but, but I love treating people too. And, um, and the principles kind of go back and forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, yeah, now I'm, I see people, but, um, but when I was in school, uh, Shadow was getting older, so he was probably 30 when I brought him out, or he was like 29 when I brought him out to Oregon. From We were living in Colorado, and I had to trailer him out there. And he just, his teeth were getting ground down, and I had him floated, um, but he just was having trouble with hay. Um, and I would leave food in front of him just as much as he could eat all the time. And I was giving him a bunch of Purina senior and just doing everything I could to keep weight on him. And it was just really hard to keep weight on him. And he just kind of got worse and worse. And he started developing Cushing's also at the same time, getting like shedding out with the long hair, mm -hmm. um, and just really not doing so great. Um, so I decided that the more I was learning in school about nutrition and sugar and it's so inflammatory is like, I got to come up with something else because there's really nothing that exists right now. And um, if he, you know, if he's getting this much grain every day, I want him to have something healthy. So I started kind of mixing up on my own um, just several different things. But, um, but I remembered that the vet that I worked for, she was always complaining, you know, people are mixing up their own stuff all the time and there's, they can screw their horses up cause they know what they're doing and they're, they're creating imbalances, nutritional imbalances. So I took that seriously and, um, decided to do, uh, testing. So I would send off samples to the lab and I kept tweaking it until I could, you know, till eventually I ended up with a balanced formula 
And, um, and actually something I skipped is like at a certain point he, he was tubed twice. Um, the second, because he was choked, he had choked. And the second time it just so happened that my veterinarian was boarding at the same facility that I was. So she caught it and I wasn't there. And because I was in school, I was, you know, not available all the time. And I just, it freaked me out and I decided to take him off hay. So it really amped things up and I had to full time kind of put him on a hay pellet. Um, and, um, and that's when I really started refining my formula. And uh, it was really cool because I had it kind of dialed in. And then I remember it was like, when I added the chia and the sunflower seeds, it was like two weeks later, all of a sudden he just filled out. It made such a big difference. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I just kept tweaking it and adding the herbs. I, because he couldn't eat hay, um, I would often take him out in the pasture so he could graze because he could still eat grass and he loved grass. And so I would just go and hang out for like two hours and just in the field watching him eat. Um, and because I knew all the medicinal herbs and the herbs in the field, I was always paying attention to what he was eating. And I just thought, well, I want to add this into his feed because he somehow he, they know what they need. And especially dandelion, you know, they go for that all the time. And, and there's some other herbs that they go for that, um, that I didn't include. I wanted to just make it pretty streamlined. Um, cause some herbs horses go for all the time, like dandelion and some herbs they'll just do here and there when they need it. Um, so, and dandelions pretty much year round is available and other things are just come and go. So, so that's kind of the, the long story of, <laughs> um, of how the feed came to be. Um, and so really it was just for him. And that was my commitment was just, um, I was committed to being with him to the end and wanted him to be healthy. And, um, and so I did the feed for him and in order I was originally, I was blending it in the blender at home, the extra ingredients. Cause when I would give him the other stuff like oats, um, even though there's a small percentage, any oats that I would give him, if I didn't grind them up, they would just come out the other end the same way they went in. Cause he just doesn't have the, uh, this great digestion at that age. Mm -hmm. So it was a big hassle. And when we found a, someone to make it for us, that's how we started. And then some friends, you know, told some friends and they were interested and it just kind of spread word of mouth. And I had some, um, we, at some point, eventually we decided to make a business of it, but, um, kind of just, it was always just for shadow really. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love all of that. And I do feel like because it was for your actual horse and like doing the absolute best for him, it really shows in your product. Cause it wasn't like you were just making a product to make it. You were like really considering, the health of like someone you loved very deeply. Right. And yeah. And he lived on it for five years. That's all he ate. So I got to see, you know, the effects of it and I feel really confident about how well it works. And so there was never a doubt in my mind and you know, how good this product was. Um, I think probably the biggest obstacle has been, um, just the price. Um, because, it's so different than what's out there in terms of most horse feeds are um, a cheap industry byproduct. So something that's left over from another industry 
um, that they don't know what to do with. So they have this, they sell it for cheap. Um, so that's like beet pulp or peanut holes, soybean meal, mm-hmm. um, all those things. And then they add a nutrient packet to make it, you know, to balance it. So it'll, um, fit the needs for the horse. And then they add a sugar like molasses to make it palatable. So they'll eat it. Um, so it's really just, I mean, it's, it's really gross, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. What they, I mean, it's just so sad that that's how they're treated. It's like, oh, they can eat this. It's a fiber. Well, they're not really considering what's in the best interest and what horses, what are the foods they evolved on and what are they best going to, um, what's going to best serve them. And so, um, yeah, it's just, um, it, because it's all real ingredients, we use real food. It's not leftover sweepings or anything left over. And, and I try to get everything organic and non-GMO and just highest quality. And so it definitely jumps the price up more than people are used to. And so it's kind of, it's almost like a paradigm shift, you know, that I, mm-hmm. that, that I we're stepping into with this. And what's cool is that I've seen since I've started, uh, which I think it's been about six years, I've seen a lot of other um, companies come out with um, you know, kind of moving in this direction, which is really neat. Um, so I'm, if that's all that, you know, if I, if I never made a dollar, but the horse industry changed in terms of how they think about feeding animals, I would feel like I've succeeded. Yeah. I, I I really feel you on this because how I found your feed was, um, I had a horse that was, uh, kind of, all of my horses are insanely easy keepers. Like they're just so, um, they gain weight so easily, but I had one horse who was a rescue and it was the first time I came across the issue of not being able to keep weight on her and her name's moon. And, um, and I, I just did not want to feed anything that was out there because it all felt so gross to me. And, you know, I didn't know the specifics about, uh, it being like basically leftover products, but it just didn't seem like something that was really made for the horse and like all the sugar added and all of the like byproducts. I don't know. It just, it felt so gross to me and I had like not been feeding grain for so long and I didn't really know what to do. And that's when I found your, uh, your product and when I found wild fed and it was so different. Like I had never seen a horse feed that like I felt really good about every single ingredient and, and trusted that it was balanced and made for the horse. And I really love it. And it's the only thing I'll feed. Um, but I did feel like it was such a rare thing to find. And, um, and that makes me kind of sad. And I do feel like the paradigm shift needs to happen because yeah, these things that are made for horses, feel like with many things in the horse world that it's more made for convenience for humans and just happens to kind of work for horses right and I'm also oh sorry what were you gonna say oh no go ahead (laughs) oh I was I was just gonna ask you about sugar but if you had anything else yeah yeah what's your sugar question yeah I well so that's one thing I noticed that was in a lot of feed was just you know constantly adding sugar. And I've always been curious about how horses, how their bodies handle sugar. And if we should be really watching out, like, I assume we should be 
you know, looking out just like with people not to eat too much and, um, like sugar addiction, but any information you have on sugar, I've just, I've always wanted to ask like a really good source that I trusted. Right. Well, so, um, you know, sugar is, sugar is, um, important in the sense that everything sort of breaks down to sugar inside the body and that's the main fuel. Um, so it's not that sugar is bad, but, um, the type of sugar and where it's coming from and how much, um, and you know, molasses, which is the main sugar that's used is a processed product. It's, it's better than cane sugar in the sense that it's still, it hasn't been so refined that it still has a lot of nutrients in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a concentrated sugar and, um, you know, horses, there is sugar in pretty much everything, you know, but especially grass, like green, fresh green grass is pretty high in sugar. And that's why horses with sugar dysregulation issues aren't supposed to be on the the fresh grass. Um, But the whole idea, you know, from a, I guess, um, biological standpoint is that, you know, in the sugar or sorry, in the summer um, and spring and you would be, they would be eating a lot of grass and they would be fattening up for, to prepare for the winter because then in the winter, you know, they're not getting a whole lot and they end up dropping quite a bit of weight, but it's okay because they've gained a bunch of weight from the spring and the summer. And it's the same with people, how fruit is available, you know, in the summer and the fall. And it's the same principle as like, that's sugar too. And it fattens you up for the winter and helps you to kind of prepare for more of a fasting that might happen and, or, you know, calorie deficiency that might happen in, in the winter. But nowadays the same rules don't really apply because, you know, we can make access food year round, whatever we want. Um, so with horses, you know, sugar can be, um, not really so much sugar, like from grass, um, necessarily, but, uh, refined sugar can be inflammatory. Um, and so, um, it can be, it can be, um, kind of hard on the system. It can exacerbate any existing, um, disease. And, uh, so even with people, you know, there's a big trend now towards, um, low sugar diet and, you know, not all sugars are created equally, but in general, I think, um, you know, sugar from its original source is much better than any kind of refined sugar. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a complicated issue, but then there's also like, um, you know, then you look at corn and that's also like corn and oats, even though they're not refined sugar, like molasses, it's still, um, a source of carbohydrates, which turn into sugar and starches, which turn into sugar. So, um, corn is kind of on its own thing in some ways, cause it, it really just turns into sugar. And it's also, unfortunately it's highly uh, genetically modified and sprayed and there's a lot of pesticide residues. And especially if it's going to the animal industry, they're really not concerned about pesticide residues. Um, so there's kind of multiple reasons why corn is not the best. Um, and then, you know, soy is another one that's not so much that it's, it's high in sugar, but it's, 
highly sprayed, one of the most highly sprayed, most genetically modified crops. And what blows my mind about soy is that it's toxic unless it's cooked. So horses cannot eat raw soybeans. So when would they ever have access to soy? It just, it makes no sense, except from an industry standpoint, soybean is a legume, which means um, it fixes nitrogen. So they they use it as a cover crop um, to help amend the soil. It's kind of a, it's a great crop for a farmer because it's actually putting nitrogen back into the soil. And so I think that's why it's become such a big crop. But in terms of its nutritional value and all this other stuff, I just, I don't find it to, I mean, it's not that it's horrible all around nutritionally. It just makes no sense to me to feed to a horse. Same thing with rice bran. Mm -hmm. You know, what is that about? Why, um, how would a horse ever have access to that? And, and especially in those amounts, um, it just kind of blows my mind. So that's that's kind of my stance on on those foods and and bee pulp. I think bee pulp is really um, bee pulp is another one that I that I feel like is a bit deceiving because um, it's a fiber, so it's it's the leftover um, product of the sugar industry. So they use sugar beets and they extract the sugar and all the nutrients, and then what's left is this fiber. And, um, you know, horses are pretty much their whole diet is fiber. That's mostly what grass is. But um, because it's been stripped of all its nutrients, um, when you feed it to a horse, your body, in in order to turn that into usable energy, um, the horse has to provide certain nutrients in order, like that are used as cofactors. So they kind of help the enzymatic breakdown of the, the fiber. Um, and so it's actually taking from the horse's body stores, whatever's stored up inside of it, it has to be used to process that um, beet pulp into usable energy. Whereas if you were to give a, you know, a beet before it's been extracted of all its good stuff or you know, any whole food, um, it already has the nutrients in it that you need to turn it into usable energy. So it ends up being kind of a, uh, a draw on the system by eating the beet pulp, but it works because it's, it basically it's fiber and it can, um, add weight and, um, on the horse, but it, it's, it's sort of like a, a temporary weight and it's not, um, it's not as sustainable over time if you're not adding other things to it to kind of make up for the deficiency of nutrients, it ends up being a draw on the system. What I really like about that is all this makes a lot of sense, um, which I would imagine, you know, or at least I find with like all the information out there for horses and people that it's the things that actually make sense, like what a horse would actually eat in the wild or what they'd have access to that feels more correct um, for their nutrition. And I'm actually really curious about... um, the seasonal thing, because I, I'm always really perplexed by my horses. I live in California, so it's not like we have, well, you know, but like for listeners, like it's snow in the winter and then it's, um, lush in the summer. It's very, it's like super green in the winter and then becomes like 
dried grass to dirt basically in the summer and fall. And even still, the horses, you know, when they're out on the lush grass, don't seem to gain that much weight. And that seems like it would be opposite. And then in the summer, when they're on what I consider basically dirt, you know, they're out in pasture, but they've eaten it all down, they gain so much weight. And I, I have a really hard time keeping the weight off them. And like part of me wonders if that is partly okay because, you know, they're moving seasonally and like gaining weight in the summer and then losing some in the winter, or if it's something I should be more concerned about. Um, and I don't really know. And you being from California, like, I don't know. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that? <laughs> so you're talking about an opposite pattern of that they're gaining. When are they gaining weight? Well, they're still gaining weight in the summer, which would, I guess, be the correct time. But it feels like there's nothing out in the pasture for them. Um, right. And maybe it's more sugary. I don't know what it is, but I'm always perplexed because it looks like they're, I'm like, what are you guys eating? Um, right. But they are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually interesting. That's a, you got me on that one. I, you know, you would think that in the winter when they have all that grass, that that's when they would gain the weight. So I don't know um, in the summer if, uh, what are the other factors, you know, if they're, maybe because it's hot, they're standing around more and they're not as active uh, physically. Uh, so it's hard, yeah, hard to know. Yeah. My other thought was maybe like they dig up roots in the summer. They're eating oh. more of like the roots <laughs> of the grass. And I don't know if that's like more sugary or fattening, but yeah, right. I'm always really oh, perplexed. Interesting. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been in Colorado and Oregon for, for a long time now so I haven't been in California and I haven't seen that kind of pattern but that's interesting yeah I'm I'm like every summer I go into the same like what is happening um okay. but for most people who live in more of like a I guess what I would consider regular climate for horses where it's um more lush in the summer is weight gain something people should be very concerned about if their horse is on pasture? Because, you know, people worry about foundering, um, which is like a real concern. But in general, to see like the, the flux of weight in their horse, is that something that people should be worried about or not yeah. necessarily? Well, um, that might be a better question for a vet. But I think in general, just, um, you know, I think there's probably like a uh, general variation that would happen, um, naturally, but, um, you know, because we have irrigation and we can make a really lush green grass, they're probably have access to a lot richer than they would normally. And so I, I think as a, as a rule, you should make sure your horse, you know, stays in a healthy weight, um, because, yeah, having too much sugar, just like with people, can make you more predisposed to uh, sugar dysregulation disorders, which I I feel like, you know, and I, granted, so I'm in the horse food industry, and so I see a lot of it now, but I'm surprised how much um, there is of the Cushing's and insulin resistance and laminite. I mean, it's really a big issue, and it kind of mirrors what's happening in people, which is diabetes, the type two diabetes. And, um, 
so it's just interesting that kind of sugar all around um, is is something that's kind of plaguing um, all of the species. I, I don't know if I could speak to dogs, but I definitely see a lot of overweight dogs. Um, and we just have access to such high levels of nutrition now that, <laughs> you know, I feel like we're overfeeding often. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that all that'll make sense. I feel like, how do you feel about like the horse's lifestyle and their level of stress and being able to live, um, like a pretty natural horse being, um, a factor to their health and, uh, and wellness? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And, um, I think it's interesting because I think one of the more common conditions um, in horses kind of as an everyday average condition is ulcers. Um, And in horses, the cause of ulcers most of the time is from stress. Um, And so um, stress can be because of lots of different reasons. It can be physical, you know, like a lot of physical exercise, a lot of demands from the owner. It could be you know, moving to a new location, it could have new members of the herd, um, you know, whatever, there's lots of different things can stress them out, but they're very socially oriented. And so, um, or most horses, I mean, I can't say all because, um, you know, some horses are quite independent, but, you know, you typically like having access to other horses around, having access to grazing, being able to eat, um, you know, or nibble throughout the day rather than we feed them in at kind of at meal times, And, um, it's more natural for them to be able to just have access and kind of graze. Um, and I know that's tricky with some horses cause they tend to get overweight. Um, and so people, you know, feel like they have to limit them. Um, but yeah, so it's, it is a big deal. And, um, yeah, with the stomach ulcers, so, we actually have a formula called stomach soother that's for stomach ulcers um, that we just kind of launched and um, it works great and it's amazing. But what I tell people is like, you know, it's going to work and it will solve, you know, it'll heal the ulcer. But if you don't stop the activity, whatever is the stressor that's causing the ulcer, you know, it's going to come back or you're going to have to stay on it. So I mean, that's kind of the most important part is, um, is figuring out, you know, what is, what is the stressor and, um, and horses are, yeah, like I said, they're, they're just, they're different. They're not like humans, they're horses and they have their own, you know, behaviors and needs that are different than what we would kind of put on them necessarily. (laughs) So yeah, I, I love that because I feel like so often we do address just the symptom and not the underlying cause in general, but also specifically with horses. And um, yeah, I feel like looking at that and looking at lifestyle and overall like well-being and happiness of the horse includes, you know, looking at their lifestyle in that perspective. Right. And um, yeah, I think that I think that's so important. I, I do really love, uh, you came out with all these, uh, new herbal, I don't know if they're all new, but they were new to me, the herbal, yeah. um, supplements. And so I have a question too on, 
have you ever heard of like herbal gardens for horses? Because you were talking about how, yeah, she, yeah? I that's so cool. Um, like Shadow would go out and like look and find his own herbs, right? When you take him out into the field and you are noticing what he would look for. Um, have you ever heard of that or like thought about? Um, yeah, no, I totally have where you would go and you plant your pasture with a bunch of herbs that they would graze on in addition to the grasses and then they can kind of self-select what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It makes so much sense. I mean, yeah, that's brilliant. That's That would be the ultimate in horse nutrition. I mean, honestly, um, if you my, even my feed is kind of like, I always tell people, you know, they want to know how much to feed. That's one of the biggest questions I get. And it's like, well, first of all, if your horse can eat hay and has access to grass, like that is the absolute best for them. Um, if they're having trouble holding weight or they need extra calories because you're riding them hard or you just want to treat, you know, great. Then our product is going to be the next best thing. But, you know, I would never say, oh, take your horse off of pasture or grass and feed him our feed um, because, yeah, having like a herbal garden, oh, my gosh, that would be – that makes so much sense. And I've actually even thought about that. I don't know how it would work, but we've, we've brainstormed about that for the future because it seems so silly right now. You know, we buy the, all the different types of hay. We it purchase individually, and then we purchase the herbs individually. And then it's like, so we purchase everything individually, and then we combine it. And I've thought, gosh, how cool would that be if we could just grow it all in a field together and just cut it down and then, you know, put it in? Um, how cool would that be? But I think the trouble is then we could never regulate the ratios um, because, you know, some of the plants might grow better than the others. And then, you know, in this day and age, it's like we have to have um, our tag has to be super accurate in terms of um, all the ratios of everything in the ingredients. And um, and so I don't know. I don't think we could get away with that because it wouldn't be consistent enough. But but it is a cool concept I mean it, like when I have um, access to my own once I purchase a place I'd love to do something like that yeah it's so interesting like you were saying with the tag that it has to be very accurate like in one way I think that's so you know it's really beneficial because you're kind of you know what's in the product but in another way it is kind of different than how things would naturally happen like if you were thinking from a whole food perspective instead of like you know, like taking all these places from different things from different sources. Um, if you were to do that and you were going to make an herbal garden, like what would you be sure to plant? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, so part of the reason I kind of touched on this, but you know, I only put three herbs in the feed and, um, and the reason being is there's so many herbs that are wonderful for horses, but in terms of something they're going to have every day, um, I don't, some herbs are more food grade where it's safe and healthy and normal for them to have every day. And other herbs are more kind of medicinal strength in terms of um, that you would use it for a particular situation only for a particular length of time. Um, and so um so I, I wanted to make sure like that I rather create a separate product that you could add to it because then you could use it for situationally or seasonally or whatever, rather than them having access to it every day. 
there's certain places like in California, you know, there are certain herbs they're going to have access to every day, all year round. But in other places of the country where there's seasons, you know, they don't always have access. Um, and so the ones I picked are the ones that are like really found kind of all across the U S and in, in abundance. Um, but, um, but yeah, ones that I see that they, um, that they really go for is, um, chickweed was one I had considered including in the horse feed and then, um, decided not to, but I, that one is a really, um, a really good, um, herb as well for horses. Um, and then purslane, uh, purslane's really fabulous, actually really high in omega threes. So that was another one I had thought about, but you really can't get that from the, the, the thing, the trick about with the fats, the, the plants that are really high in fats, they actually, once they're dried, they lose a lot of their kind of fat content. Um, so that's another good reason to have fresh grass and fresh herbs. Um, so purslane, I think the chamomile or pineapple weed. So pineapple weed kind of looks like chamomile um, and it has very similar benefits. And I find that they really like that and they go for that a lot as well. And it's really calming, good for digestion. Um, I, I actually like a lot of the herbs that are in the... Um, that are in the stomach soother. They're just good kind of like any digestive herbs. Um, so there's, what do we have in there? So we have uh, chamomiles in there. Uh, we use marshmallow, um, which I don't think, they don't go for that a ton compared to the others. Um, I've seen them go for it, but not quite as much. And um, anise, um, kelp is in there. I know that horses, you know, that have access to the sea do go for those, um, sea vegetables. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's, there's quite a few that, that are commonly found that they, that, and actually pine needles. Um, my, it's so cute. So my other horse is a Mustang. Um, and I got her when she was just a couple months old, rescued her. And, um, She's taught me a lot because she's really adventurous with what she eats. I mean, she eats bark off the trees. She'll go for both of the horses would go for um, pine needles in the winter. Most often I see them doing it in the winter and it's because it's real high in vitamin C. Um, but they love those too. Yeah, it, it's so amazing to think about them regulating and knowing what their body needs because the way horses are in tune with their body, I would imagine, I mean, some, I don't think I've had that much practice because, you know, they might be in a stall right. and being fed, but like, especially a Mustang, um, they've been like, you know, feeding themselves for like lineages. And, right. it, and do you think like most horses have that intuitive sense though? Like have an instinct of, you know, if they get put on pasture and then they start to get used to it and they start to um, feel their own body a little more that they would start to pick the things that would be most beneficial for them? Well, uh, like yes and no. So I think some of the older horses that have been raised a lot, you know, that haven't really ever been on pasture, it's like they kind of forget, I think a little bit. Um, and even my horse shadow, you know, it would blow my mind. Cause we would, um, when we were living in Oregon, 
um, the the foliage grows so big there. And when, you know, often the trails would be overgrown and we would be riding through and I would be riding my other horse and ponying him. So I didn't have as much control on, you know, if he wanted to go grab at something, um, I'd have to be really on top of it. And he definitely, a lot of times I'd see him go for the bracken fern and things that are actually toxic to him. And it was almost like sometimes they get in this mindset um, of like, like they just kind of want food, you know, they're not really thinking it through. And that, that always surprised me how, like, where is the instinct to avoid the poisonous foods? What's up with that? Um, And uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I wish I could say all horses, but I don't know if I could really make a statement on that. Um, I've definitely seen horses go for things that are toxic for them. And, and that always surprised me. And that's actually another reason why I've launched the, the liver cleanse, which I, I think uh, it's a little bit slower to take off because I don't think people totally understand um, what that's about. And really, it's not about necessarily treating a specific condition. It's more of a preventative maintenance um, because of that. Like, if your horse has been getting vaccinated or you're using fly sprays, which are often pretty toxic, or um, they're not drinking filtered water, which is most horses. Um, or they have access to pasture where there might potentially be any kind of toxic herbs there, their livers are going to need support. Um, And horses have a lot of skin issues, which are often connected to liver um, issues and detoxification issues. So um, that product is kind of for that concept of you know, don't wait until it's broken, you know, do a kind of maintenance. And I think it's the same for any animal and humans, you know, taking care of our liver and doing liver support, um, you know, once or twice a year, is just like one of the best things you can do for your body. Cause your liver is a really big player. It does a lot and it t- handles all the toxins and it's frankly, it's a pretty toxic world that we live in, unfortunately. Um, so, so yeah. I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, I I actually really noticed that too with uh, with horses that have been um, deprived of being on pasture that there can be that um, that like drive for food that like when you finally let them out and they're finally on grass, it doesn't matter what's in their mouth; like they're just gonna eat it. And I've also seen horses go for toxic foods, and I think in a way that that like, for instance, a Mustang might not do, you know, a horse that's, or a horse that's been out their whole life that had that kind of education when they were younger, it won't be as like crazed right. to get food. Um, but I've definitely noticed like a horse that has been, um, kind of disconnected from that natural part of life and been, uh, limited and kind of, uh, deprived will yeah. just, you know, binge in some ways, um, on whatever it is without really thinking about it. Um, I I feel like that is also, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Finish it. Oh, I was, I, I was just feeling like that is kind of how I feel that we as people have kind of moved into that territory too, of being more disconnected from what our bodies really want. And, um, and it's something I've been trying to cultivate more of like really asking, like, 
what am I craving on like a deeper level? And like, like, you know, what, from something simple, like what tea do I really want right now? Like, what am I not just thinking that I want, but what do I like actually feel that I want? And like, Mm -hmm. what fruits or vegetables do I want to eat? And, um, trying to get more in tune with that because I feel like we are kind of disconnected from our food and, and we've put that on our horses too. Um, just being in kind of an unnatural lifestyle that doesn't support that like body intuition. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting when I was in school and learning about kind of the hunger, the, when we were learning about the brain and, uh, and how the brain works in terms in regards to digestion and hunger and all that. It's just, it's fascinating because it's so mental. Actually, there's a part of our brain that tells us, you know, Oh, it's this time we need to eat. Um, and there's this, um, compound called ghrelin. That's, it's like this, there really is this kind of craving addiction part of the brain that just tells us we're hungrier to eat when even when we physically physiologically don't need anything um and that was really fascinating to learn about that um just how even the time you know how you cannot be hungry and then you look at the clock and you see oh it's way past lunchtime or something and then all of a sudden you're starving it's like what is that about um so and actually it's what you made me think of is my horse so um this newest place that I have her at, um, when I first brought her there, she had basically a whole pasture to herself because um, they didn't want to put her in with the other horses until she got used to them, and they were just over the fence. And so she had a whole pasture to herself, no competition, no problem, beautiful Colorado grass. And at first, she was just desperate, you know, eating as fast as she could, like it's a race, you know. And then once she realized that no one's hassling her, she has all the time in the world, no one's taking her in, it's like she would slow down. And I'd see her even for hours just not even eating or taking a nap. And, you know, this like the whole the whole drive to just ravenously eat um, calm down. And so I think often, yeah, our horses that don't aren't used to pasture and you take them out, it's like they just want to eat as fast and as much as they can but when they know that they have it available uh you know it's plentiful then they'll just kind of take their time and they're better at self-regulating but it takes a little bit for that to kind of kick in yeah to get out of like the restrictive mindset yeah exactly yeah that makes a lot of sense um but but like the herbs you were talking about if you planted them like you could plant herbs that, you know, while they're trying to get used to the pasture, it wouldn't be terrible if they ate it, right? Like, right. like dandelion, if it was out there, like even if they kind of gorge on it, not it's not going to. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Dan- well, dandelion's a diuretic, so it'll, um, you know, I guess you could potentially overdo it on it in, in terms of that it would, um, yeah, I could you would pass too much urine and then maybe you could get dehydrated. I mean, that that's pretty far-fetched though. I mean, I just can't imagine that they would even go for it enough to overdo it on it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the whole idea is I think you plant in proportion too. So you have to think about what percentage, you know, I wouldn't just like throw them in a field of just dandelion. There's going to be lots of other things and grasses and, you know, it probably should be mostly like grasses in there too. Yeah. So they're not just gorging on the herbs, but yeah. 
Yeah, and the choice of that. I've always thought that was important to to have right. variety so that they once they get more acclimated and used to it, then they can start like choosing a little bit more of what tastes good and what they want. Right. Well, it's funny. I was just talking about this um, today with my fiance that uh, there's this guy who just recently died in China and apparently he lived to 230 years old. And um, it's not uncommon for people to live pretty long or, you know, have really long lifespans there. And apparently he he um, lived off of there was like six key herbs that he like he really over time ate less and less. I think you have less need um, as kind of you get older. But um, there were kind of six main herbs that he was eating and um, it just kind of goes to show the power of herbs, and they're just so nutrient-dense. Um, they're so jam-packed um, with bioflavonoids and terpene. You know, like, there are all these mm -hmm. compounds in there that are um, that are so beneficial. And, you know, like, compared to, you know, an iceberg lettuce or any kind of lettuce versus an herb, I mean, you just have so much more in the herb. And so I, I feel like it is for all of us, you know, incorporating, um, herbs more into our diet is so healthful. Mm -hmm. What are some herbs you would recommend for people that you think are really good? Well, it, you know, it's pretty individual, um, in terms of what your particular condition or what you're dealing with is, but, um, you know, I think all of the the culinary herbs are pretty potent and powerful. Um, and uh, peppermint, chamomile, you know, like all the herbs that are that are part of the diet, basil, oregano, thyme. Um, I really like the digestive herbs, especially around meal. Like so bitters before before meals are really good. So actually dandelion is a bitter. Um there's other herbs like um, uh, I'm thinking like gentian and um, some other herbs that are that are bitters that can kind of help stimulate um, digestion. But dandelion's a big one. Um, and then the digestive herbs, so like um, uh, fennel, anise, caraway, um, those are all really helpful for um, for digestion. Um, ginger, I really like. Um, ashwagandha is an herb that often I'll put like any adrenal supportive herbs can be really beneficial. Holy basil, um, ashwagandha, rhodiola. I, I often put patients on adrenal support cause we're so stressed out, <laughs> but it's the same thing. You know, you really got to fix the stressor, but, um, but it can help your body adapt to stress. Um, and, uh, I actually, Oh, so I have an endurance formula that's, um, that has three of my favorite herbs in there actually for the adrenals. Um, and, um, so maca is another one that's actually, that's a, that's a plant that's a superfood and it's actually more of a food grade type herb. It's a tuber. And so that's one that you could have every day. Um, it really helps with endurance, with energy, libido. I mean, it's like a powerhouse. It grows in the Andes. Um, and, um, it really helps, um, for sustained energy, um, actually hormonal balancing really great for women. Um, so that one is, 
um, one of the main ingredients in our endurance formula, which is just kind of our newest formula um, that's really great for um, for kind of adrenal support, but also any kind of horses that are doing um, really intensive physical exercise or kind of need a, um, you know, sustained energy. Really fabulous. Um, has rhodiola also and um, eleutherococcus, which is a, a Siberian ginseng. Um, and ginseng in general is really fantastic herb. And I think, you know, the Chinese kind of swear by that. It's like one of their most prized herbs. Um, and it's expensive, but it's, it's really fabulous herbs. I love all this information. I'm going to be like studying this as we like editing the sound and like um, writing all these down. Um, and what I like about your products, and I, I think this is true because I certainly have been doing this, is all the horse herbs humans can eat, right? Like we can. Yeah, they're actually, I purchased them from a place that sells for human. Yeah, they're all human grade, organic um, yeah. And the stomach soother, I actually sell it in my clinic uh, and it tastes really good. I, when I made it, I originally made it for horses and then I was like, you know, this is really good stuff. And I, I kind of specialize in gastrointestinal, uh, disorders. Um, that's what I see the most of in my practice and like, gosh, this could really benefit a lot of people, but I just assumed it wouldn't taste that good. And then when I tried it, it was like, wow, this is actually much better tasting than some of these products that we carry at the clinic. And so, um, yeah, so it's really great for heartburn also in people um, and or constipation, other, you know, depending on, there's such variety of, you really have to know what the cause is. I'm just kind of listing symptoms, but mm -hmm. um you really need to know what the cause is before you just jump in with a treatment. But for the most case, it's, it's super safe and it's um, really good for you. It just really helps with digestion. Um, but it is because it, it forms sort of like a, so this is, I'm just going to throw this out there. So um, gastro guard is the typical treatment for, or ulcer X, or I forget all the names, but they all kind of do the same. They're all, um, they all suppress stomach acid, um, mm -hmm. because when you have an ulcer, stomach acid is, creates that burning sensation and can be really painful. But, um, the trouble is, is that, um, first of all, as you know, the idea is that you suppress it long enough that your bot, the body heals and you're not kind of having pain in the meanwhile. But, um, what happens is when the horse goes off of it, there's a rebound, they call it hyperchlorhydria where your stomach acid goes really high like because it's been suppressed all this time. So when you release it, it kind of goes up. And so then they can develop an ulcer again. Um, and the other thing is that stomach acid is really beneficial. Um, stomach acid helps break down food in your gut. It also kills any bacteria. And if you see where horses eat, I mean, they eat <laughs> on the ground <laughs> in the grocery I mean... So it would be really important for them to be able to, you know, manage um, killing anything that might come in, parasites, whatever. And so it's actually um, putting them at a slight dis or a, a dead disadvantage and perhaps making them more prone to developing a bacterial overgrowth or a parasite or worm, you know, whatever. So um, our product... Um, what it does differently, it doesn't have anything to do with the stomach acid. It creates this mucilage, so like a mucus coating. 
um, and creates like a protective barrier. So your stomach can heal kind of from the bottom up and it protects it from the stomach acid. Um, but one of the kind of things to keep in mind is because it's doing that, um, you wouldn't want to take medication at the same time you're doing and if the horse is on any other medications, you wouldn't want to give it at the same time because it's creating this barrier that the, the, it might potentially interfere with the absorption of the medication. It's not a hundred percent, but it, it could potentially. So that's something to keep in mind with those kind of herbs that are kind of slimy. But um, but yeah, it feeds, the, it gives the nutrients that your body needs um, to repair for the cells to repair for the specifically the cells in your GI tract. It helps to reduce pain and inflammation, and it creates this mucus, like mucus barrier. So it's working in a totally different way, and that's kind of the beauty of herbs. Um, and you know, the wisdom of them is like they're working on multiple levels. Whereas, you know, a lot of pharmaceuticals, while I, you know, while they have their time and place, and I'm super grateful that we have them, um, that they do, they often target a specific pathway and um and they're kind of overly specific and it, it can screw things up sometimes so mm -hmm. anyway that makes a lot of sense um when you say not to feed it with medication do you mean like um not to do them at the same time like of the year or more like don't do them at the same time of the day I would do it I would well I would definitely not do it in the same time of the day because there might be some medication that your horse has to take every day. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have a situation in mind, but maybe it's on a medication for something that it's been on for a while um, or uh, that you wouldn't want to definitely take it at the very same time. It the, that, that mucus layer will last, and that's, that's why it'll last for several hours. Um, so you're still going to absorb the medication. If you do it at an off time, it might be slightly less. I, there's really no proof on that. There's no studies that have been done. So it's more kind of theoretical, but I'm just throwing it out there. Cause if it's something that if your horse is on a medication that it really needs to get for whatever reason, you would just want to make sure to do it at a different timing, um, time of the day, time of the day. That, yeah. I, I love also just, um, that you're open and like very knowledgeable about all these little things, because I think like so often, you know, something is given to us or given to our horses without really the reason why or what it does or how it exactly works. It's just kind of more of like, this will, this will help. Um, right. and it's really nice to hear like what exactly it's doing and, and why. And, and I feel like it makes more sense that way. And you can, uh, yeah, just with all the information that's out there, it's for me really nice to have things that I can like comprehend more because I feel like they, um, yeah, it helps make the decision and also just um, gives you a better idea of what's going on. Um, so right. one last thing before we go is, you know, so a lot of horses, like my horses right now are, um, they're all pretty chubs. And they don't need, uh, let's say an extra feed, but I'm curious if you feel that like they're on pasture and they have grass hay that I feed them as well. 
do you find that horses that are not getting extra supplements but are on a, a field need things supplemented to them? Like, should they be getting a little bit of like grain or should they be getting a little bit of like, should I be adding something into their diet or is it usually pretty balanced? Because I think a lot of people um, right. that I know have this question of like, what do I really need to give my horse if they're, you know, if it's not an issue about weight? Well, I honestly, I do think that, you know, we're giving them these kind of mono diets of just, you know, maybe you're giving them two types of hay at the most or maybe three. Mm -hmm. um, and then whatever's in the pasture, depending on how much is in the pasture, I, I, I definitely don't think it hurts to give to give them a little bit of extra supplementation. I think we're just the soils are pretty deplete of nutrients and depending on how much variety is in the pasture, um, it certainly wouldn't hurt to give them a little extra. In terms of what is the thing to give, um, I that is a question I get a lot. I am really, I'm working on putting together something that is not synthetic-based supplement. Um, while I do for people, so it's not, you know, it's not like it doesn't work. Synthetic nutrients can work. Um, but I also, um, I mean, what I've been kind of doing right now is I just rotate sort of different herbs with my horse. And then I found another product that I've been testing that, that I don't want to share quite yet. Cause I'm thinking about, um, about launching it as a product, but, um, I think kind of earth based, there's lots of earth based kind of nutrients, mm -hmm. um, that I think make a lot of sense for horses, but I, I don't think you're going to hurt your horse giving them the, the synthetic, um, some kind of supplement package. Um, because oftentimes just the food itself isn't, you know, they'll be healthy and fine. They, they're very adaptable. I mean, look at the Mustangs, what they live off of, but if you want them to be shiny and super healthy and, you know, the kind of, um, souped. I'm, I'm, I can't think of the word, but you know, just, um, as, as healthful as possible, it certainly, um, it, it certainly wouldn't hurt to add a little bit extra. And, um, yeah, I, that, I mean, we do have people that, um, our feed isn't, our feed isn't a concentrate. So it's not like you can feed a cup of it and they're getting all the nutrients they need. It was really designed as a complete feed. So if mm -hmm. you're feeding it as a a standalone, then your horse is getting everything it needs. But if you're feeding it in a smaller amount, it's not necessarily like taking the place of a supplement. But what it is doing is it is much more nutrient dense than probably what you're feeding, which is, you know, if you're feeding just hay. So it does offer, you know, more, a little more fat, a little more, you know, got the trace minerals, it's got the probiotic, it's got all these extra things that, um, that, that certainly would benefit, but with your horse that's already overweight, you're not going to want to give them extra grain necessarily. So, um, so probably just a little, yeah, you could give them like a supplement and that probably, um, would be enough. That's great. And I really do hope whatever product you're working on that you come out with it, because if you had, um, if you had something like that, I certainly, certainly would feed it. <laughs> Probably right. be the only thing that I'd be super comfortable feeding. Um, because I really, I love what you create and, um, 
and I trust it honestly so much more than most brands. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I, uh, I really love your feed. I love your products. I like eating your own, like the supplements that are for the horses. I will take them too. And I feel really good giving them to the horses and overall just, yeah, yeah, I don't feel like I, I'm kind of like very minimalist and try to be a super like conscious consumer and I'm very picky on especially things for my horses. And I, I, I love what you make so much. I just like, I, I would recommend it to anyone. And, uh, and that's why I feel so good supporting you guys and, and wanting to get your, uh, your name out there because it's, I think it's just like such a revolutionary horse feed too. Mm, thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to be, um, to be doing this. And, you know, I just, we are constantly getting such positive feedback in terms of what it's done for horses that it just keeps us, keeps spurring us on. So. I love it. So where can people, where can people find you and find wild fed and, um, yeah, all of the links of people who after listening to this are, I'm sure some so many people are going to want to kind of right. look it up. Well, okay, so we actually just launched our newest or our website. We just redid it, and I think it turned out really nice. Um, so that's wildfedhorse.com, and um, there are there's a page that will show you all the dealers we current that are currently carrying our all the feed stores currently carrying our feed. Um, so, you know, we definitely have a lot of room to expand and, um, we're totally open to bringing our feed to, to new places. It definitely, as the further East we go, the more the price goes up. Um, and actually there's weird pockets that are less expensive than others. So, you know, if you are in Georgia or, you know, somewhere just totally random that doesn't have it. Um, the best thing to do would be contact us. We'll send you some sample bags and brochures, you know, and if you, um, if you, if there's a, a feed store in your area that's, you know, open, we don't go to the big chain stores. We really, um, focus on the small independent stores. They just have better customer service. Um, they promote our product and they get it and they're not just about the price point. Um, and so that's been our model. So, so if there's a nice independent store, then, you know, really the best way to open a new account is to have customers already wanting to buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the feed stores will most often take it on. So if you go to your feed store, you know, and tell them you want the feed and maybe even share it with your friends and kind of get the word out, we've opened quite a few accounts that way. So, um, we're kind of, word of mouth type of company. Um, and, um, unfortunately we can't ship individual bags. Um, so that's not available, but our supplements are available online. Some of the feed stores are selling them so you can purchase them online or through the feed store. And, um, what else did you ask? I think I answered all your question. Yeah. I, um, we're, you know, we're still growing and, uh, and still putting the word out there, but, um, yeah, just reach out. If you have any questions, you can always call us and we're always happy to talk to you. 
Oh, and that's what I was going to say. We just, um, I just finally posted on our website and I'm going to post it on Facebook and Instagram, but we are doing a photo contest and yes. Mosey is going to be one of the judges. Um, we're really excited. Uh, that's going to be submissions are you're it's available to, to send in your submissions. It's limited to people who are already feeding wild fed. Um, and, um, one photo, kind of your best shot. Um, and then we're going to be, uh, closing that. I think it's on, um, October, like the middle of October. So basically the next month we're going to be taking submissions. Um, I think that's right. I better double check that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to include it in the description too, with, oh, the, with the correct date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you just can upload online if you go to the blog or the, there's a link on the front page to it. Um, but yeah, so that'll be, oh, October 15th is when they have to be sent in. Oh, cool. The judges are going to pick the top 20. And then once the top 20 are selected, then the public gets to choose the top three. Awesome. So yeah. I love it. And so what do people, I actually don't know what the prize is. What are, is there a, a thing you get? Yeah. So first prize is three bags of wild fed horse feed plus two, uh, wild fed supplements. And you can, the winner can choose which ones. And then second prize is two bags of wild fed plus one supplement. And then, um, third prize is one bag of wild fed um, or one supplement. And then we'll, the pictures will be, we'll keep them on our website. Um, so you'll be featured on our website and yeah. Very cool. I am really excited. should be really fun. Um, yeah. And so also for people who want to find more about you because you have your your other practice that you do. Do you have a website personally for like your human? Um, I do. Well, so as of right now, um, my bio is on, uh, namastehealthcenter.com is that's the, the clinic that I'm working at. I'm just finishing my own personal website right now. Um, so probably in the next couple or I think I'm hoping at the end of the week but maybe two weeks at the most that'll be out um we are um yeah there's some cool stuff coming up including um a trip which hasn't been totally finalized yet but sometime probably in April or May that we're gonna do a, a lead a trip to Peru which is really exciting mm -hmm. um and uh I do see a lot of my patients I see over the phone or Skype. Um, I have probably like half of my patient base is over the phone. Um, you can also check me out on um, my blog, which is uh, SIBO Diet Recipes. So that's S-I-B-O dietrecipes.com. And um, I have a lot of information. SIBO is a condition. It's an acronym. It stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. And um, it's a form of IBS. It's kind of like 60% of people with IBS have this. This is kind of the cause. And uh, I, I specialize in that. So I see a lot of patients with that condition. And so this website has info on that and free recipes. And I have all my contact info on there as well. 
Awesome. That's great. I will also link all these things in the show notes for people who want to just click and, and go there. Great. Um, thank you so, so much for being on. I feel like um, I could ask you so many questions. <laughs> I'm like so interested and like uh, want, yeah, I could just like keep you on the phone forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I really appreciate you being on and taking time. And um, and if anyone does have any, you know, specific questions and if you'd ever want to come on the podcast again and people like want to have certain things um, answered about, you know, anything kind of horse related that you think that Samantha would um, might have some insight on, uh, you can definitely send those my way and then I can see if you're interested in coming back on yeah. and doing that. Yeah, I totally do that. Okay, awesome. I think that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you everyone for listening. Um, if you like the podcast and you want to subscribe or rate on iTunes, it really helps us out and it always makes my day and um, is so appreciated. And thank you all just for listening and being here and I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Thank you.